This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. A massive response by police and firefighters Sunday morning started with a 911 call from a woman in this affluent Honolulu neighborhood. The initial responding officer found a female who had been stabbed in the leg. Court records show she was trying to evict the suspect, Jerry Hannell. Shortly thereafter, we heard shots being fired. The suspect opened fire on officers approaching the house, killing Officer Tiffany Enriquez. Kaulike Kalama was among a second group of responding officers. He was also shot and killed. Two New York City police officers were shot and wounded in separate ambushes that authorities are calling assassination attempts. This morning, a gunman walked into a Bronx police station and opened fire, hitting one officer. Police charge he's the same man who wounded another officer sitting in an NYPD van Saturday night. Both officers are expected to make full recoveries. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, where your security matters most. I'm Paul Violis, and this is a CBS News Radio production. Big thanks to everybody hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. No question about that. A lot of great comments. I know that I can't hit everybody back with these, but please know how grateful I am for, for your insight, your comments, the direction, how much you know it, it means to us. So a, a big thanks for especially the guys over at Girardi's in Long Island. Um, definitely going to come and check you guys out. Appreciate all the support uh, to a great guy that I met when I was in Houston. Uh, Officer Brian G, I'm not going to mention his last name, but Brian and I had a chance to take a picture. So Brian, if you're listening from Houston PD, thank you for your constant support. And if you got a copy of that picture, man, send it to me because I'd love to put that up on the website. Monty, thanks for the the thumbs up in Florida. Ginger in Kansas City, great comments. Uh, Miles in Texas, man, thank you very much for writing that stuff in. And to all our teachers that have been writing in from the Teachers Union, yes, we'll always support you guys. You know I love you. And for our friends at Armored One, uh, Tom, you guys are the best, so appreciate all your support. Today is a call to action, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know the totality of that meaning, that means it is calling everyone out. And the reason why is we have a call to action on the ambushing. That's right, the word ambushing of our police. Believe it or not, the key word in that sentence is our. That's right, our police. How did we get here? You know, I'd like you guys to write in and tell me how you think we got here. I think I know how we got here. But nonetheless, we are in a bad place. Now, let's just take a look at some of the facts around and surrounding the ambushing, the execution, the assassination of our cops here in the United States. What's going on here? I mean, is this an isolated incident? 
No. So let me qualify that, right? Because some of you may blame me for being overly passionate, and that's okay. I'll take that. Just recently, this past weekend, we saw two New York City police officers were shot within hours of each other. The first one wounded when a gunman fired into his patrol van. The second was shot when a gunman entered a precinct in the Bronx, my old neighborhood, and opened fire with a 9mm handgun. Also, from point-blank range, the gunman then fired several more rounds at officers and civilians. I can tell you that it was a brutal reminder, going back to 2017, when a gunman killed an officer as she sat in her patrol car, and then back to 2014, when two officers were brutally shot to death in their patrol car in Brooklyn by a man upset about what had happened uh, in, in a, another city, I believe that was Baltimore. But this isn't, again, an isolated thing in New York. Let's take a, a look at that. Because as we look across the country, ladies and gentlemen, we have a momentous problem on our hands. Going back to December in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we had an officer, Officer Stephen Cars, a patrol officer who served for the department for more than two years, was ambushed and executed while sitting in his patrol vehicle. Now think about this. While sitting in their patrol vehicle. Uh, a confrontation, and this is something that I, I wanted to point out about this. A confrontation ensued. The officers fired at the gunman, who was injured. The officers gave medical attention to the wounded men, and paramedics were called, but the suspect ended up dying. Think about this for a second. Before I go on, you got an officer sitting in his patrol car doing his business. This piece of crap coward comes up and shoots him in his car, and then his brother and sister law enforcement officers come out and still try to save the shooter. How many people do you know would do that? Those are the kind of people that we're talking about here. Again, is this isolated? No. From, we have seen a, a significant problem as it relates to the numbers of these t particular incidences across the entire country. San Bernardino, Philadelphia, Seattle, Michigan, Kentucky, Maryland, Utah, Georgia. And let's not forget Dallas, where a number of years ago, five Dallas police officers were killed they were killed by a sniper. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're looking at. Now, this is the immediate problem. There is a, believe it or not, an even larger problem to this, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how this affects you and how it affects your family and how it affects their safety going forward. That's true. Now, stay with me because I'm going to come back to that. But we also have, before I introduce our spectacular guest for today, we also have another issue going on. Federal counterterrorism officials are warned police departments across the country to maintain a heightened state of awareness for the potential for ambush-style attacks against officers. No kidding. Reports entitled Persistent Threat of Terrorist Ambush Attacks on First Responders. Analysts from the National Counterterrorism Center warn that police officers and emergency service personnel remain key targets for terrorists who may either seek to lure public safety officers into ambushes or stage ambush attacks without significant advance planning. Think about this, okay? We have a domestic issue targeting our cops. We have an international issue targeting our cops. And ladies and gentlemen, they are the ones that stand between you and bedlam, you and anarchy, you 
and God forbid, the lack of safety and protection to your family. That is how serious this is. That is why this is a call to action. That is why I have reached out to someone who I consider a dear friend, who's one of the leaders in the United States in our police community. I'm talking about Joe Gamaldi from the Houston Police Department. Joe is the president of the Houston Police Officers Union and also the vice president of the National Fraternal Order Police. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Paul, thanks for having me on. Joe, I'm going to start with one quick one here. And then start with, there's so much to talk about, and I'm really fortunate you're here. But I'm going to start with one point. The intelligence report that I'm referring to from counterterrorism officials states that the appeal of ambush-style attacks for terrorists likely stems from the nature of the target, the attack concealment, and the element of surprise. It also indicates the suddenness of an ambush attack may limit reaction and response by first responders potentially providing the attacker with a tactile advantage. Joe, how are our police preparing for something like this? Well, I mean, it's difficult anytime when we talk about ambush attacks for our officers uh, to deal with any of this. Now, of course, every officer goes out on the street and they make sure that they're doing their due diligence. They're watching their surroundings as they pull up to calls, as they're sitting in their cars. But, I mean, you can't be on guard 100% of the time. There are times our officers have to look down at their computer to look something up. And if, something's, if someone's waiting, just waiting for that opportunity, they're going to jump on it. And, and here's the danger, Paul, because mm-hmm. let's talk about this. Right. When there is that ambush-style attack on a police officer, how many more officers are responding? Every single officer in that area, as soon as they get the call, they're rushing there, and they're laser-focused on helping that officer who's been shot. You think they might make easy targets for somebody now who has ambushed a police officer and then backed off and waited for other officers to respond? There is a very real danger in this. And not only that, imagine the shockwave and fear that that sends to the community. Because make no mistake, that's what terrorists are trying to do. They're trying to disrupt our way of life. They're trying to instill fear in the heart of every single citizen. And that's exactly what happens if we have a terrorist who shoots a police officer and then targets the other officers that are coming to help them. And you know what, Joe? We see this over and over again. And we, as I mentioned, we saw it in Dallas a number of years ago. But now with the, with the government coming out with this, and ladies and gentlemen, so that you know, the, 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 the document that I'm referring to that was, that was circulated to, to Joe and police officers around the country was, was distributed at the end of January of 2020. This is a very real, very current issue. Now, the other part about this that everyone needs to understand is that FBI came out and said that 53 law enforcement officers, 53, 53 law enforcement officers have been victims of ambush-style attacks, both by terrorists and non-terrorist subjects, from 2014 to 2018. Since 2018 forward, we've had dozens more. Now, we understand statistically that this is a major issue, Joe. We, we know that. We, we get that. Um, but the big issue here is, and Joe, as certainly as, as the vice president of our nation's largest and strongest voice for our law enforcement, the Fraternal Order Police, um, I think the bigger issue here is, is, is we need for communities to understand how this affects them. Now, you had shared with me that law enforcement applications are down What does that mean, Joe? Yeah, so what we're seeing is just a huge decrease in the amount of people that want to be police officers. As you mentioned, they are down 63% in this country. Nobody wants to be a police officer anymore. And And I'll tell you, 
that has led to shortages almost in every department that you can find. Just right here in Houston right now, we're short anywhere from 12 to 1,500 officers. Now, number one, of course, that's impacting the safety of our community, but that's also impacting the relationship we can have with our communities. That's why response times go through the roof. On your worst day where your house is burglarized and it takes me four to five hours to get there, I don't care how friendly I am, you're not going to be happy with me. And now you're eroding that trust. But it goes a little bit further. There has been a concerted effort by opportunistic journalists and politicians who have painted officers to be the bad guy. They have trafficked in anti-police rhetoric and false narratives, all to make police officers look bad, all in searches for their own benefit of higher ratings or you know, increased poll numbers. So as a result, you've painted officers as the enemy. You have young people who may be looking to become police officers. But is it really a a profession they want now when our officers are getting spit on on the street? They're being screamed at left and right. In Portland, they were getting yelled racial slurs at them during during a protest. We have officers that are being laughed at while they're going to respond to one of their fellow officers being shot and killed. In Philly, we had uh, citizens throwing things at them while they're responding to six officers shot. In New York, they're having buckets of water thrown. So if you're an impression, by the way, I could go on and on, Paul, with hundreds of examples like this. Don't feel like you need to stop, Joe. Keep going. But but if if you're a young kid who just got out of college, you're well-educated, and you're looking at the job market... Normally, police officer would be a good profession. We're getting more and more better pay. We have good benefits. But if you're a smart, intelligent kid, and these are exactly the type of people we're trying to recruit, by the way. Of course. The ones that are educated, the ones that want to be a part of the community, they want to bridge the gap. When they look at all those things, they pick a different profession. They're voting with their feet, and they're picking a different profession, and we're seeing it by our applications cratering nationwide. Well, you know what, Joe? You raise an interesting point, and you say salaries are getting better. Let's talk about that for a second. You know, the average pay of a police officer, and for all of you listening right now, you need to sit down, put your seatbelt on for this, all right? The average pay for a police officer in the United States is $48,000 a year. $48,000. $48,000 a year to risk your life for people who don't know you and genuinely don't like you. For people that are willing to completely disregard you as a human being for communities that permit Groups that want to protest to walk down the street and yell and scream the promotion of killing cops. And all of this for the grand total of $48,000 a year on an average. Really? So if you want to question the kind of integrity, the dignity, the honor, the intrinsic value that this individual has, male or female, black, white, yellow, green, I could care less. They're doing it for the grand total of an average of $48,000 a year. Suffice to say, ladies and gentlemen, money is not a motivator. Joe, I'm at a loss right now. I'm coming into my 40th year. I'm in my 40th year of serving this country. I look back at a lot of different things. But one thing I look back on, and I openly admit this, I've said this to, to my nephew Joseph, who is, is an, an incredibly productive police officer, uh, for the city of Charlotte. That's a good, strong name, Joseph. Yeah, yeah and, good, and, Joe, and, and just so you know, and he's from Long Island as you are, brother. All right, so there you go, all right? But I look, at, I look at young men like that. I look at you. I look at all the great guys that I met when I was with you in Houston and all the cops I meet around the country when I go around there. And I look and I say to myself, you know what's different? What's different is I don't know if I would do the job today. And I mean that. I don't know. I ask everyone right now. I challenge every single person listening, every one of you, 
Would you go to work? Would you take a job that entails everything a police officer is supposed to do? Their scope of work for an average of $48,000 a year. Would you do that and hang a camera around you so everything you say and everything you do can be documented? Not that you are reluctant for those actions to be documented, but let me ask you, how comfortable are you with that? Because to me, it's not that we have anything to hide, Joe. To me, Paul Viola speaking, no one else. For me, it's an insult. Because if you say I got to put that on there, you say you don't trust what I say. And we're putting all this in, ladies and gentlemen. We're putting all this in. And we're asking ourselves why we're 63% down in law enforcement applications, why we've gone in the last number of years from 1.3 million law enforcement to 750,000. Why? What does that have to do now with the big, big picture here? Well, I'll tell you. Recently, right after several days ago, right after the shootings in New York, Joe, and I know that you stay on top of everything, so you saw this, the Sergeant's Benevolent Association at, at, at NYPD actually declared war on their mayor. And, they, and I quote, we do not respect you. Do not, and I emphasize, do not visit us in hospitals. This is unprecedented. You sold the NYPD to the vile creatures, the 1% who hate cops but vote for you. NYPD cops have been assassinated because of you. This isn't over. Game on. Okay, so this is a message coming from the Sergeant's Benevolent Association. When you hear that, Joe, how do you feel about that? Well, let me tell you first. Uh, Mayor de Blasio declared war on those cops first. No question. He, 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 Mayor de Blasio has trafficked in anti-police rhetoric. He has supported false narratives. And, and, and you know, here's the thing, Paul. Here's what's really interesting. As police officers, we do not believe that we're infallible and that we never make mistakes. We, we believe that we should be held accountable if we do make mistakes. But what you have other groups doing is trying to make situations where officers are completely justified and have done nothing wrong, and they plaster it all over the headlines. They write clickbait headlines for people to click on. They, they traffic in, anti, in, in false narratives to try to make police officers look bad, and de Blasio was all the more happy to do it with them. Mm-hmm. So you've legitimized these false narratives by lending your voice to them, by marching with them, and as a result, there is an erosion of trust with the police department because there are people who believe, well, surely this mayor has integrity and he wouldn't just make things up for political points, but that's exactly what's happened. Right. And what we're really asking, what we really want, is simply a fair shake. We're not asking you to believe every single time that we're always justified and that there's never an error made on police officers. That's not realistic. But for God's sakes, wait for the investigation to take place. Was the officer justified or not? And then let's have a discussion. Instead of immediately jumping to try to uh, drag that officer through the mud, it's completely ridiculous. Mayor de Blasio has been an embarrassment for that city, and you've seen crime rates going through the roof under his leadership. It's a complete failed experiment, Mayor de Blasio. And these officers are rightfully upset, and they don't want him to give his little sound bites when he shows up at the hospital or when he shows up at a cop's funeral and he pretends to pat everybody on the back. Meanwhile, the next week, he'll stab him in the back. There's no question about that, Joe. And I tell you what, I was around when I saw that police officers turn their back on him. And I'm using him as an example because he is a good example to talk about, but he's not the only one out there. I mean, we see this over and over and over again, Joe. We see this in, in the establishment of sanctuary cities where, you know, you're pitting, you're pitting city cops against 
federal law enforcement officers to play to play politics. I, I, I don't get that either. But, you know, you write about I remember very clearly when de Blasio turned around and said and told his son, you know, not to trust police officers. Really? That's the message That's you want to send. Message. Look, I, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is the problem. We understand that. We understand now that this problem has now matured into an epidemic in our country where our police, this is a fact, this is not a political statement, this is a fact. Our police have a target on their backs, Joe. Our police are being ambushed and executed. We know that Islamic radicalists have made it part of their business plan. We know that communities are allowing groups to legally protest in their own communities and walk down the street and promote the killing and executing of cops. And if all of our communities aren't getting it, here's my last statement for you. Joe mentioned about response time. At the end of the day, the brutal reality of what's going on right now with police is on our communities. Our communities can turn this around or our communities can elect not to. And if you elect not to, that's your call. Just don't complain about it. Don't whine about it. Don't yell and scream and file complaints that it took X amount of time to get to your house during a crisis because you caused that. That's right. I'm saying that. You caused that. You want this to change, then we need to roll our sleeves up as a country and stop the crap that's going on and the cultural change that we switched where somehow, Joe, and I don't know when it was, we made it acceptable to hate law enforcement. I mean, we've got... The New York City Department of Corrections telling correctional officers, proud, upright serving correctional officers that we have throughout our United States. And we've got New York City telling their, their, their correctional officers, don't wear any branding, tell your, parent, don't you, tell your family don't wear any branding. Really? So, Joe, we understand what's going on here. We understand the numbers. The biggest question I have here is, as a true leader in, in police in, for the United States, what do we do from here? As you see this, Joe, as you speak with your colleagues around the country, what do we need to do? I have my own thoughts I'm going to share with you, but what do we need to do to turn this around? Well, I'll tell you, you know, another, another deal that no one seems to be talking about nationwide, Paul, is how many officers were shot last year. We had 293 police officers Jeez. shot. That's one every 30 hours. Now, keep in mind, that is a 20% increase from 2018 to 2019. And no one's talking about this. No one is talking that violence is up against police officers. So when you ask what can people do in our communities, what can leaders within our communities do to to help us combat these false narratives and combat the anti-police rhetoric to calm everything down, what is asked of us? Everyone asks us, please build the bridge with the community. Be out in your community. But yet we have these same politicians that are asking us to build bridges in the community. They're standing on the other side, tearing the other side of the bridge down by constantly throwing us under the bus every time there's a viral incident, whether the officer is justified or not. So you're asking us to be involved with the community. Well, guess up. Guess what? Put up or shut up on the other side, which means you're going to have to do your part in the community. And most of these politicians believe that it is not politically advantageous to support police officers. But I'll tell you, they're wrong. At case in point, right here in Houston, we have a mayor, Mayor Sylvester Turner, who supports police officers. He calls balls and strikes. When we're wrong, we're wrong. But when we're right, we're right. Right. And he waits 
until all the facts are in, and then he weighs in. And it's reminded me of an incident where there was a shooting, a police-involved shooting. The gentleman pointed a gun, or the suspect pointed a gun at our officers. This was all captured on body camera. Well, sure enough, within a couple hours, people started saying he didn't have a gun. He had a Coke can. And you could hear it swirling, Paul. Sure, it was course. already starting. This mayor jumped out in the front. He immediately released the body camera and said, no, we're not going to have this in the city. Here is where he pointed the gun at the officers. Here is the gun and clearly calmed everything down immediately. That's good for the community, too. Of course it is. We don't need to have community unrest against the police officers. And what I'm saying is this should be every mayor, every county commissioner should be waiting to have the facts weigh in. If the officers are wrong, well, then so be it. We're going to have to deal with that. But if we're right, you need to back us 100% and make sure the public understands that that officer did nothing wrong. You know what, Joe? And I will tell you this. I'll echo those sentiments because we, and I'm going to say this in my close today, but when, when we did the cold case in, in, in Houston, in your town, and, and we had a town hall after that, uh, the mayor's office was present there. And I had a chance to speak with someone from the mayor's office, and I was so impressed with their involvement of, and, and their commitment to the entire community, the police community, you know, the civilian community, and, and, and your sentiments that you just expressed about the mayor were echoed in my observations as to what I saw and what I heard on that particular day. So there's no question that you're right there. The biggest issue right now, Joe, is how. How do we get there? How, how do we educate our communities around the United States where our cops are serving? How do we educate those communities that it's incumbent upon them to partner with us as police to make the community safer and to do something about this horrific trend of ambushing cops. What do you think we can do? You know, I think it has to be a top-down approach, and it starts with the leaders in our communities. And whether that's elected officials, community leaders, preachers, pastors, whoever, police chiefs, whoever it may be. Because let me tell you, the rank and file, Oh, we're out there every day bridging the gap. Believe me, we're serving our communities with honor and integrity every single day. We are going to community meetings. The rank and file officers, we're out there. We're the best ambassadors for police officers. But when we don't have the support from people that are above us, it makes our jobs infinitely harder. So what we need is everybody pushing back on anti-police rhetoric and saying, we're going to support our cops and our community. We're going to call balls and strikes. When they're right, they're right. And when they're wrong, they're wrong. But we're going to wait until we have all the facts before we put them through the mud. And maybe, just maybe, if we can start fostering that within our community to build relationships, to come together, understand that officers are here to help. That's why we all got into this business. We all became police officers because we wanted to help our community. But Paul, it goes one further. We talked about how our applications are down. We need these relationships, and we need people to step out and make sure that we're building bridges, because otherwise there's not going to be anybody left that wants to do this job. That's exactly because right. Because even if you have a servant's heart, even if you want to help people, you're going to find another way to serve because you don't want to be spit on. You don't want to be called a murderer when you did nothing wrong, and you don't want your life turned upside down just because you did the job exactly as you were trained to do. And on top of that, show, you don't want your families being tormented when they go to school and they go to work and they go to the grocery store and being shunned for no reason at all. You don't want that either. You're exactly right, Paul. I, I mean, just me experiencing it personally. Obviously, my face is out there. My name is out there. 
there were some anti-police folks that were able to find my wife on Facebook. And immediately they started sending her heinous messages. Are you a legal citizen? Uh, she's Hispanic, by the way. Are you a legal citizen? Are you in this country illegally? Maybe you should go back to your own country. Things like that is the vitriol and hatred right. that is given towards police officers. And make no mistake, it comes from the very far left, but we also get it from the very far, far right. Yes. And I think at some point we need to acknowledge that most of us are living our lives in the middle. We're pragmatic people who believe that police officers go out there every day to do the job and to protect our community and we have to stop listening to just the vocal minority that just screams we're all murderers and we're out here to just harm people. It's ridiculous and they shouldn't even have a platform. They should be treated as pariahs and anytime they come out spewing this vile anti-police rhetoric or calling for the deaths of folks, everybody should stand up to them and say, absolutely not, we're not going to give you a platform. Certainly they shouldn't march with them, which is exactly what Mayor de Blasio did. That's exactly right. And also a lot of this comes down, comes on to everyone listening now that you are public administrators, because I know I have a bunch of public administrators listening right now. A lot of this is on you and the policies that you have in your municipalities of how you allow and what you allow and when you allow people to protest. Understand that there is a gross disparity between protest and riot. And, and we need to do a better job at looking at that. But Joe, in bringing us, in, in summing up today, I'm going to tell you what I think. And I'm going to cite the city of Houston, and I'll tell you why. Because we, now Joe is, is an officer for the city of Houston Police Department, great police department. One of the largest cities in the country, one of the largest police departments in the country, well-respected agency everywhere in the world. That's a fact. It's not an opinion. That's a fact. But what I saw in the city of Houston, and this is my message to everybody listening, what I saw in the city of Houston in a town hall meeting was a blessing, was just a, a breath of fresh air that, you know what, I didn't know that we'd see. And what I saw was police, from chief to officer, they all showed up. They didn't have to. They weren't told to. weren't supposed to. A lot of them got off of work. They were exhausted, but they came. A lot of them were preparing for work. They still came. And I saw community. I saw religious leaders from all walks of life. I saw community leaders, informal leaders, all showing up from every color and creed and ethnicity that you can imagine. Fill this auditorium, fill this room um, at the Houston FOP Hall. And I'll tell you what I saw. I saw a community that sat back in their chairs and then the more that we talked and the more the communication went from police department to community and the questions from community to police department, I saw people gradually lean in. You know what that means? Involuntary communication is the truest, purest way to ascertain someone's listening skills. And this community leaned in and you can tell they were into this, their questions. When this was over, they hung around. They didn't leave. And you saw community leaders talking with cops from all different ranks. And that, Joe, that is what I saw. And that wasn't scripted. They weren't invited based on some type of invitee list. It was wide open. But that's what I saw. And I will now, Joe, ask you your opinion of this because I'll tell you my opinion and then we'll close for today. My opinion is we need to have a call to action. My opinion is that we absolutely cannot, should not, 
will not allow this trend to continue of ambushing cops. We have to stop the narrative that it's politically correct to hate cops, challenge cops, suspect cops, and everything that they do. We need to change that. It wasn't always like that, and it can and should and must go back to where it was. And if everyone listening wants to know why, because your safety and the safety of your children depend on it. Our trend is obvious. We're down in people wanting to become police. And it's not because of the pay. We need to get our communities engaged and get more people from our communities involved in becoming police to police our communities. And we need to do a drastic change about what's acceptable and unacceptable communications and narrative from community to police and from police to community so we can eradicate this horrible trend in ambushing cops. Or, quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have to, look, I don't need a bachelor's, two masters, and a PhD to figure this one out. We're in a bad trend. So, Joe, here's what I suggest, and I'll leave these thoughts with you. I think we partner with the FOP, we reach out to our communities, and we invite them. We invite them, at no cost to them, we invite them to put on a town hall in their communities so we can openly discuss this. That's what I, I, my suggestion. And that, this message, is going to every city manager, county commissioner, and mayor in America because our staff's going to make sure we send them the link to the show. So I'm throwing it out there, Joe. And my, my request to our communities is let's sit down and break some bread between our, our FOP brothers and sisters in your community and your community leaders, and let's figure out what we need to do about it. Joe, I'll toss that to you for your closing thoughts. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and I think what you saw when you came to Houston for our town hall meeting was you saw a community that genuinely cares about their police officers. No we, we are very fortunate in Houston. I always talk about it that I live in the greatest city in the world. Uh, they are very supportive of police officers. It's not uncommon for our officers to have lunches bought for them and people coming up to them and thanking them for their service. But why do you think that is, Paul? It's because our leadership within the city, our mayor and council, are supportive of our police officers. So they're setting the tone. And that's what we need nationwide because look at it this way. When you have a police officer murdered in your community, and especially in an ambush style that we've been seeing, isn't that an attack on our very society, our civilized society that we all want to live in. When the people who are charged with protecting our communities and being servants are the ones being targeted, it means we got a problem. And anybody who doesn't see that is simply sticking their head in the sand and they have no business being a leader in any community. Correct. So what I'm asking community leaders from across the country, and like I said, whether you're a community leader or whether you're an elected official, whatever, sit down with us. Be willing to listen to police officers on our side. Be willing to listen to the pragmatic people in your communities who are saying, listen, we need to tone this down. We need to make sure that we have a good relationship with our police officers, and we cannot have the city thrown into unrest every time there's a use of force incident, especially when the officer has done absolutely nothing wrong. Absolutely. If they have done wrong, well, then so be it. They'll be held accountable. But every time these officers put that uniform on every single day, they're putting their lives on the line, they're making split-second decisions, and they're doing the best they can for the community. And they need to be treated as such. And maybe if we can sit down, 
calm the rhetoric down, and maybe, just maybe, we can make it a safer environment for our officers and, frankly, safer for the community as well. Because if they're willing to ambush a police officer, they'll be willing to shoot somebody else. No question about that, Joe. And you know what? We're going to close with this. We're in this together, okay? And I'll jump in this at a moment's notice. We can facilitate town hall meetings around the United States between our brothers and sisters in the FOP and our community leaders and community informal leaders across the United States. We're going to extend the invitation. Both, both me here at the, from the show, we're going to extend the invitation. Joe, hopefully you guys will be able to extend that invitation to your, to your communities through the FOP. And we're throwing it out there. We have a solution to this. So Joe and I are talking right now. We got a solution to this, and we're throwing it out there. We welcome any and all takers. You agree, Joe? Absolutely. The FOP is going to sit down with anyone, anywhere, as long as they're willing to have a fact-based discussion about police officers and the relationships we can have with our communities. Let's do this then, Joe. Let's make it happen. And when we close this today, I will tell you this. We can turn this around, but everybody listening, it's on you. And it's on everybody you know. And you need to get on your social media and share this. You need to get with your local community leaders and you need to share this and you need to let them know we need to sit down. Let's do a town hall, old fashioned. Forget about email and text message. Let's sit down, have a face-to-face conversation. Let's settle this because we don't need to be going to any more funerals with police or not. We need to do something about this. Joe, on behalf of everybody here uh, at CBS News Radio, I want to thank you. Obviously, the great job that you guys, the FOP are doing and all our police are doing. And, and I appreciate you coming on today and also your commitment to work with me on getting this done. Paul, thank you so much for having me on. It was an honor. It was always my pleasure, Joe. Listen, you stay with us. And remember, we're going to be sensing something out there. You're going to, so please write us and let us know. Have a great week. Be safe. Be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.